0: I'll tell you something. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the cornerstone, the keystone and cornerstone of the foundation of the Christian faith. Well, let me ask you a question Are you superstitious? How do you feel about Friday the 13th? Did you know that millions of people are nervous about Friday the 13th? Did you know that? You probably did because uh, they make movies about it. I think there is a movie called Friday the 13th, isn't there? Um, This year, the only Friday the 13th that I'm aware of on the calendar is in August. To my knowledge, unless I'm mistaken, that's the only Friday the 13th there is in this year, 2021. So you don't have to be nervous. You know, actually in other parts of the world, it's not Friday the 13th, it's Tuesday the 13th they're afraid of. Yes, in Greece, Romania, and the Spanish speaking countries, it tends to be Tuesday the 13th. Well, this idea of 13. Where in the world did that come from? Who came up with that? Well, some people believe in numerology, the study of numbers. And they think that the number 12 is the, is the number of completeness. I guess they figure that because something to do with, um, maybe 12 months in the year, 12 tribes of Israel, 12 apostles, um, the Zodiac and so on. They can, they think that 12 is complete. Therefore 13, 13 must be cursed if it's 13, you see. So that's why they, they say, well, thirteen's a a very unlucky number. And some people to put a parody on it, they say lucky 13. Did you know that a lot of hotel buildings They have a 1st, 2nd, 3rd floor, 8th, ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th, 14. They do not have a 13th floor. The, The 13th floor is actually the 14th floor. Or I should say it's the other way around. But you won't find the number 13 on the buttons going up for the elevator. Isn't that something? Why do they do that? Simply because a lot of people will not rent a room on the 13th floor because they're superstitious. Well, what about Friday? Why did they choose Friday the 13th? Well, many people believe it's because Jesus was crucified on a Friday. And now while a lot of people call that a bad thing, some of us call it a good thing. Yea, indeed. I'll be adamant about it. We call it Good Friday. Good Friday. Because that's the day when our Savior went to the cross and was nailed there and bled and died for our sins. So it's a good day. You know, today, we think it's the greatest thing that ever happened particularly the death, burial and resurrection, the greatest thing that ever happened. So you got to start somewhere. So we start with the death good Friday. So we think it's the greatest thing, but when it happened, they didn't know 2000 years ago when Jesus died. Now Jesus knew what was going to happen, but the others didn't know. They didn't know that he was going to rise from the grave. All they knew was that Jesus, their savior, their King, died on an old roman cross they they asked themselves is he dead is he dead because remember they they wanted to hasten death because the next day was the sabbath and so they broke the legs of the two malefactors on either side of him thereby speeding up the death but when they came to jesus they said we think he's dead this one i think he's dead and so they took a spear and they gave him a little poke, a little jab, no movement. They pushed it a little further till they had pushed the pole into his side and out came blood and water. The separation of that plasma, that blood, that water from the blood that happens at death. And they certified that he was dead. And of course, they took his lifeless body down off the cross and they put him in a borrowed tomb. They hastily wrapped him up intending to come back the first day of the week, which was Sunday and do a proper Jewish burial. That's all they knew folks. But on Sunday morning, a couple of the women were the first to come to the tomb and they came expecting to see Christ's dead body. They were not going to view life. They were going to touch death. They were not going to give thanks. They were going to shed tears. You know, some people have that mentality toward life itself. They look upon life and their life in particular as a very gloomy thing. My friend, if you're watching today, how do you view your life? Are you happy with your life? Or do you think your life is a big mess and it's going to end in disaster? And some people feel this way about life. They have the same expectation as the women had who came to the tomb. And they think that life is nothing but a long walk toward a gloomy death. And every day is a, another step closer to the tomb. And that's how they view life. Well, we have wonderful news, folks. We have wonderful, glorious news for you today. There is another way. Your life does not have to be gloomy and doomy. There can be everlasting life at the end of the road for you. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads and talk to our heavenly father and dear father. We come to you again in Jesus name and we ask you again Lord to fulfill the desire of our heart right now right this hour to glorify yourself through the teaching and preaching father. We pray the Holy Spirit would take his word And would apply it to people's hearts. And for those who are not saved. Who are not born again. The Holy Spirit would bring them knowledge of sin and righteousness and judgment to come. And convince them that now is the time that they need a savior. A risen savior named Jesus. And that they would by faith look to Jesus today. And cast their life into his hands. And say save me Lord I can't save myself. And we pray, Father, for those who are saved who may not be living the victorious Christian life. And we ask you, Father, to increase their faith, that they would take their problems of life and cast them into the hands of Jesus and say, help me, Lord, I can't help myself. And that today, hearts and lives would be changed for the honor and glory of God. We pray this in Jesus name. Amen. And so dear folks, we have this story before us of the women coming to the tomb and they came seeking death is what they came seeking, but they found something very, very different. Now, when they got to the tomb, the first thing they noticed was the large stone Had been rolled away. Rolled to one side. Now today. We know all about it. Don't we? But 2000 years ago. When it was just happening. They didn't know all about it. And they were confused. And they were wondering. And. For them. As they approached this. Tomb. With the stone rolled away. And remember it was just, just the breaking of day and the beams of sunlight were just beginning to, to break over the mountain. And there was just a little bit of light, just enough for them to see. And they could see that the stone had rolled away. And the first thing they thought was something is wrong. Today, we would say, no, something is right. But back then 2000 years ago they didn't know. They thought something is wrong. And their first thought is he's missing. Someone has stolen the body. Grave robbers have come and stolen away the body. 2000 years later here we are today. Hindsight is 2020 as they say, and we say no. Something's not wrong. Something's right. He's not been stolen. He's alive. But you see, they didn't know that, did they? And Mary, Mary Magdalene, she saw the resurrected Lord. She, but she didn't know him. She thought he was the gardener. And she said to him, sir, if you've taken away the body, please tell me, show me. You see, the ladies thought there was something wrong and that the body had been stolen. But we here today, we know differently, don't we? They said, he's dead. We say, he's alive. They say, something is wrong. We say, no, it's absolutely right. Oh, the difference a little knowledge can make. Amen. Now, The next thing that happened was these ladies, they saw two angels and now they really got scared. They really started to panic. And of course they bowed down to the earth. And with your Bible open here in Luke chapter 24, I want you to see what happened in verse number five. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, They, that's the angels, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? Verse 6, He, that's Jesus, He is not here, but is risen. Remember how He spake unto you when He was yet in Galilee saying the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. So here the, the ladies, the ladies, they were in for an absolute shock. Their poor hearts, their poor hearts were beside themselves, weren't they? Oh my, these women came mourning the dead and yet What ended up happening is they had an exciting revelation of life. I'll tell you something. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the cornerstone, the keystone and cornerstone of the foundation of the Christian faith. Here it is right here. The resurrection invaded the place of the dead. The resurrection actually broke through. It invaded where the dead lay and brought an exciting new change. After this, of course, the women ran to tell the disciples, look at verse nine and returned from the sepulchre and told all these things unto the 11 and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James and the other women that were with them, which told these things unto the disciples. And look at this verse 11. And their words seemed to them as idle tales. Shame on those men for not believing those women. But maybe that's how men react sometimes. Shame on us men. God used the testimony of the women. And they believed them not. Look at that. The disciples didn't seem to believe. You know, some people today are exactly the same way. They refuse to believe they make a decision of the will. I will not believe that Jesus rose from the dead. That's the attitude of untold millions of people around the world today. I simply refuse. I don't want to believe. I have no place in my heart or my mind for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They are saying they have no place or desire for God in their lives. Now, some of them may even seem to be somewhat religious in some way, shape, or form. But the moment they admit the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it opens the door. They have to admit a series of other things, including their responsibility before God for their lives. There are so many people today who absolutely, even in the face of overwhelming evidence, they refuse to believe. And yet if that same evidence proved something else, they'd have no problem believing it in a court of law where the evidences are brought in all of the testimony, conclusive evidence, It's overwhelming and the jury is forced to a certain conclusion because of that evidence. Likewise, we have evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Greater minds than mine have studied the subject for years. There's been more than one atheist lawyer and atheist researcher who thought they would conclusively disprove this phony baloney resurrection stuff and they researched it. It took them months, sometimes years, but at the end they became believers in Jesus Christ and strong proponents for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The evidence is there, my friend. There are books written books written that'll help. On that subject. But some people today. They don't want to believe it. That's the thing. They don't want to. Because of the moment they do that. It spoils all their little plans. And their sins. One day they'll have to face God. One day. They'll stand before Jesus Christ himself. And Jesus will prove to them conclusively that they willingly, knowingly turned their back away from the truth and away from God. That's what's going to happen. The apostle Peter decided he would go and take a look anyhow. John went with him. And Peter went and took a look. But look at verse 12. Then arose Peter and ran into the sepulchre and stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves and departed, wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. What's happening? Thought Peter. You know, many people wonder today what it all means. Why did Jesus have to die in the first place? They wonder. Did he really rise from the grave? They wonder. They wonder if Jesus can really change their lives or is it all just too good to be true? Well, the answer, my friend, is that he died for our sins. That which separates us from almighty God is our sins. And our sins condemn us into an eternal abyss called hell. Forever separated from God. And God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so what God did was he gave the best he had. He gave his own son, the Lord Jesus Christ came to die for our sins on the cross, to pay what we owe in hell so that whosoever will can be saved. It's not by silver and gold it's not by works of righteousness but it's by repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that we are saved saved from hell and saved for heaven Jesus died he rose from the grave and he can change your life It matters not the problem, the sin, the bad habit, the doom, the gloom. It matters not the question marks over tomorrow. It matters not. What matters is, will you give your life to Jesus Christ? That's all that matters. That's the key. The women came that morning seeking death, but the angels Told them the glorious truth. Would they believe the truth or not? Well apparently they did. Jesus is not dead. My friend. He's alive. He's alive. And he's still alive today. He arose never to die again. Listen to me. No other world religion. Has a leader. That has conquered death. All the leaders of all the other world religions. Are dead and in the grave. Bible Christianity. Is the only. Religion if I can use that word loosely. Where the leader is risen from the dead. He's alive. And he is with us today. I know that he is living. You see, many of us been talking to him this morning. That's the wonderful thing, isn't it? The Lord Jesus, you can walk and talk with him. Other people in other religions, they don't walk and talk with the leaders of their religion. Those leaders are dead. Maybe they left behind a series of writings or a book or something. And their followers are reading their writings and trying to follow these writings of do's and don'ts. And they go through their religiosity and their symbols, sometimes using water, sometimes using incense. That's all they have. They don't have a connection, a communion with the creator. They don't have it. We do. Is it because we're so special? No, no. It's because he's so special. You see, whosoever will may come. But then you get millions and millions who absolutely refuse anything to do with the resurrection. Sad, if you ask me. Truth is, he did die. He did raise from the, rise from the grave. Pardon my English. <laughs> he did rise from the grave. He can conquer any problem in your life or mine. There is nothing he cannot do. He can change anybody's life. If Jesus can overcome death, he can overcome any problem you may have. I like what brother Carl said in his letter. He said, if God can raise himself up, then he can surely raise his church up. Listen to me. If God can raise himself up, he can surely solve any problem you have. Amen. Someone write in. Amen to that. Praise the Lord. You know something? The question today, why seek ye the living among the dead? So many people think they got a dead life, dead hope. All they're looking for is something dead. The truth is there's something living. Living. He's a savior. He's a king, a king of kings, a Lord of lords. He's coming back one day. He's the one you should be seeking. But you know, before Jesus could rise from the grave, he first had to die. Turn back a page, please to Luke chapter 23. Look with me at verse 33. Here the scripture says, and when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said, Jesus father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots and the people stood beholding and the rulers also with them derided him saying he saved others. Let him save himself. If he be Christ, the chosen of God and the soldiers also mocked him coming to him and offering him vinegar and saying, if thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. You see, Jesus, he received the worst the world had to offer. Verse 38. And a superscription also was written over him in the letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. By the way, some of you know that you see pictures of the cross with a little inscription above the head of Jesus with the letters. I N R I I N R I it's Latin. It means Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. That's what it means in English. And so verse 39, one of the malefactors, which were ha- ra- hanged ra- railed on him saying, if thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost thou dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation, and we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. So here's a man at the very last moments of life, soon to die for all eternity. Be gone. And he turns to Jesus, and in faith he repents of his sins, receiving Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Verse 30, 43 And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. And it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. And during that time, It's when the sins of the world were laid upon our Lord Jesus. And it's as if the father in heaven could not bear the sight and had to close the curtain on the sun. Verse 45. And the sun was darkened and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst. That veil, that big cloth veil that separated the holy place from the holy of holies. And it was torn, not from the bottom up, but from the top down. Only God could do that. Verse 46, and when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. And when the centurion, that was the like the, the captain sort of in charge of the group of soldiers there that day, when the centurion saw what was done, he glorified God saying, certainly this was a righteous man. You may say, well, why? Why did Jesus have to die? Well, that's a good question. The answer is that Jesus was something like the story of the ant and the grasshopper. And Jesus was like the ant in the story of the ant and the grasshopper. And you may be wondering, what is this story of the ant and the grasshopper? Let me tell you a number of years ago, the mother of a nine year old boy, the boy's name was Mark. The mother received a phone call in the middle of the afternoon. It was the teacher from her son's school and she said she said mrs smith she said something unusual happened in your son's class your son did something that surprised me that i thought you should know about immediately and mrs smith was alarmed thinking something dreadful and the teacher continued she said nothing like this has ever happened in all my years of teaching you see this morning i was teaching a lesson on creative writing. And as I always do, I tell the children the story about the ant and the grasshopper. The story is about the ant working hard all summer, preparing its food for the fall and the winter, storing up plenty of food. Whereas the grasshopper, it just plays all summer and does no work. And so winter comes and the grasshopper begins to starve because he has no food. And so he begins to beg and he says, please, Mr. Ant, you have much food. I'm going to starve. Share some of your food with me. And Mrs. Smith at that point, I stop and I tell the students, I say, now it's up to you to finish the story. Mrs. Smith said, well, what happened? The teacher said, Well, Mrs. Smith, your son raised his hand. I said, yes, Mark. He said, teacher, may I draw a picture? And I said, well, you may draw a picture, but you have to finish the story first. And so he nodded. Mrs. Smith, said the teacher, in all the years, most of my students would finish the story and say that the ant shared some of his food with the grasshopper and they both lived through the the winter some of my students would write no mr grasshopper you didn't work all summer now you have nothing i only have enough food for myself and the grasshopper starved and died but your son mark wrote something i've never seen before and she picked up the paper and on the phone she said Here's what your son wrote. So the ant gave all of his food to the grasshopper. The grasshopper lived through the winter, but the ant died. And at the bottom of the page, Mark drew a picture of three crosses. This is the story of the ant and the grasshopper. And Jesus is something like that. Ant. Jesus gave all he had so that you would not die in hell. He gave everything. He died in your place. That's why Jesus had to die. It's said that someone once asked Jesus, how much do you love me? And Jesus said this much, and he stretched out both of his hands and died for me on the cross. He died and was buried, and he rose again. He is alive. We serve a risen Savior. Amen. Amen. Ah, my friend, the resurrection. His shed blood for you and for me. If you're born again, if you're saved, you need to roll your burdens into his arms, cast them into his hands. He will see you through. If you're not yet born again, you need to come to Jesus now and receive him as your Lord and Savior. Would you close your eyes and pray with me, please? Oh, our wonderful heavenly father, we thank you that Jesus died and rose again for us. And truly today is the greatest day, I guess, of the Christian calendar. And I ask you please to increase the faith of your people that they would live for you, not for the world, not for themselves. They would live their lives for you. And I pray now for anyone who has not yet received Jesus and been born again, help them this very moment in their hearts to pray, Lord, I repent of all my sins. I turn my back on my sins. I ask you to forgive me. Jesus, forgive me. Jesus come into my heart and life. Jesus be my Lord and my savior and take me to heaven one day. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.